This episode of Geek Gamer Live is brought to you by our very own Roku app for Geek Gamer TV. You can go back and watch back catalog of all the Geek Gamer Weekly shows, Minecraft Me, specials, and a whole lot more. Head over to ggtv.me slash Roku to add it to your Roku today. This is Geek Gamer Live, episode 265, recorded live on Sunday, October 12th, 2014. New name, same great taste. Hey everybody, welcome to a new show. Well, kinda, but not really. Welcome to Geek Gamer Live. This is a show where we talk about the latest in gaming and technology. Could be geek items, could be a movie that we thought was cool, or a an arcade game that we really miss playing, or a console that we really like to play. All that fun stuff. Uh, we like to have a great time talking about those things, and the reason, the number one reason why I dropped weekly from the title is, uh, was, and I'm going to be honest, there are times that I can't do it in a week. Sometimes maybe I want to do two in a week, or maybe I can't do any in a week. So it's not fair to call it weekly when sometimes it just doesn't happen weekly. So I just asked you guys, I put out a poll, earlier this week and you guys said hey make it geek gamer live that's the one we really like the most and so it has happened the name has changed but the cast of characters are the same we'll still have people that will come by the show from time to time but also the neat thing from making it not a weekly show or a, just dropping the weekly name is maybe during the course of midweek we'll bring some people on as well do some fun things so hopefully you guys are still hanging out with us and uh, checking out the show i do appreciate it my name is Chase Nunes, and joining me on the first edition of Geek Gamer Live, I can't say every show because technically there hasn't been, uh, Mr. John Kessler. Hey, John. Hi. Welcome to a brand new show. Yeah, we're live now. Right now. 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 That Not was yesterday's... then. This is now. This is now. One of the things I did say also to myself is I, I would not edit. You're not going to edit. If, well, I mean, that negates the whole fact of the show being live, right? Oh, true. But but the only reason I would ever edit is if there was, say, a major power failure or something happened technically where everything blew up or something, you know, where I couldn't do anything. But, so, uh, but yeah. I can't pick my nose on can't while you're recording or anything like that. Then. Well, you could if I oh. catch you. Okay. No, I got to catch you. <laughs> Why don't you introduce... So, so now... Yes. To, to, to go in the live spirit... Uh-huh. Um, why don't you introduce the next person? So you know there's two other people yes. on the show this week. Why don't you introduce one of those two people? Well, And then by default, that person will get to introduce the next person, you see? So we're going to do this like a, like a train. I'm going to introduce <coughs> you, and now you can introduce... Well, from our friends down south, we have Mr. Joe Falvey. Hey! Hi, Joe. Hey, how's it going? Good. I, hey, I've just seen you. Yeah. yeah, it's like deja vu all over again. Deja vu. How are things, Joe? How are uh, how are things happening to our friends, our friends to the south? Yet Joe's singular. That makes perfect sense, John. But uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that makes perfect our sense. Friend down south. Uh, things are fine. They're uh, uh, almost exactly the same they were uh, an hour ago. 
but actually you look clearer. You'll actually look better. So. Well, it, it's the same camera, but it's into a different USB port. It's uh, in, it prefer, apparently this camera likes USB 2, not USB 3. Fair enough. Fair enough. Stupid camera. Stupid camera. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, no, other than that. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess now it falls to me to introduce our third very special guest. Mm-hmm. Right. Our fourth and final person on the yes. show today. Fourth and final person, hey, a very special guest. Now, did I say friend down south or friends? Friends. I think you said it yeah. clearly. Oh, it, yeah, doesn't, but, it doesn't matter because I'm talking about the guy from the Great White North, uh, Lloyd Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, everybody. Thanks for having me on the show, Chase. And it's always great to talk to uh, you guys, Joseph and John. Um, thanks for having me on the inaugural first episode again, live right now. Right uh, now. That was then. This is now. Even I, though a second ago it said episode 265. Well... And that's and that's where things get confusing, right? <laughs> yeah. right? So this is where I'm going to ask you guys as my friends, and then I want to ask the audience. I want to ask everybody this because I'm really conflicted on what I want to do here. So okay. do we uh, – and by the way, thanks for joining us, chat room. If you guys are joining us on this Sunday, you saw that we're back. You guys see yourselves in the chat room. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, so I'm going to call on you guys as well on this. So here's my question to you guys, and then we'll get into uh, some of the stories that we thought were interesting and things that we'd like. Um, should I be starting over at episode one? Should I say, all right, all 264 editions of this type of show are now gone, or do I continue? So I've already, as you can see, I've, 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 I've considered just the continuation. This way, I don't have to change the feeds. I don't have to start well, it, a new feed it, or anything. It already, it already has changed names twice. It has. So changing the name again doesn't seem like a big deal to me. Right. But sh- I shouldn't start it over, though, should I? The, the- I, I wouldn't say so. Because, right, this this exact show started out as... Hoser Chat. Uh, Hoser, Chat. Hoser Chat, right? Yes. And then it became... Control F12. Um, Control F12, and then it turned into Geek Gamer Weekly. No, nope, Geek Gamer Radio. Geek Gamer Live. Actually, oh, Geek Gamer Radio, whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and then it was Geek Gamer Weekly, and now it's just Geek Gamer Live. It, it seems like a okay an evolution of sorts, right? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. There you go. Do you agree Makes or uh, disagree, John? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Sorry. John's like, what are we talking about? No, 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 no. Did it's, somebody it's... say Eve? No? No. Okay. No. Then I don't care. Yeah. yeah. So, so, John, you don't care. <laughs> No, it. I think we should uh, stick with the two sixty four. Two sixty five. It's five. Four. Four. Is it five or four? It's five. 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 Okay. Yeah. Um. Actually, this is five. Because I. Just, I, I just yeah. think here. Here's one of the positive negatives mm-hmm. of keeping it as it is. Positives, of yeah. course, no one has to resubscribe to any feats, right? So. Right. Everything continues as they knew it. But and it, it having such a big number makes it seem like we should know what we're doing. True. Very very true. <laughs> However, however, my question is, mm-hmm. we then we can never get new and noteworthy, right? I mean, I've been doing the show for like eight years. So if, you know, in iTunes, they have that new and noteworthy say, uh, section where, you know, a new show is up and coming and stuff. But this show is so old, technically, that that's never going to happen. But that would require setting up new feeds new things for people to have to go and do to find this show. Um, you know, Lloyd, what, what would you do? I mean, you do VG podcasts, you know, you have, uh, you've retired shows, you've started yep. shows, yep. you've continued shows. 
I have. I've done. I've done both. I've. I've done. Done it where I've taken a, a show, changed the name, kept the number, and then I get complaints. And then I've done it where I've taken a show, renamed it, and started at zero, and then I get complaints. And then I've taken a show and started fresh, and they're like, "But you did all these other shows. Why don't you? Why isn't this episode three thousand? So people complain no matter what you do. You just gotta just gotta go with what what you feel in your heart, Chase. Whatever, whatever, whatever hits you like right here. Uh, um, whatever. I, I just make it, make it hurt right here, right, right here, right, yeah. right there. Um, personally, I, I would right. I would keep the I would keep the number uh, because it it shows uh, it shows that you paid your dues and you've uh, you, you've gone through a lot of uh, a, a lot of turmoil to get uh, to where you are now. Episode two hundred sixty five of Geek Gamer Live. Yes, and how's the name, by the way, you guys? I'm just curious. I mean, I I I kind of did a little independent jaunt without advising. I I did put it up to a vote. Uh, some of the choices were Geek Gamer Live. Uh, GGTV Live, Geeks and Gamers, uh, which was uh, a play off of the tagline, and then this, you know, Geek Gamer Live. Um, good, good name. Final selection. You guys think? Not everybody yes. speak at once. Okay, it's good. good. <laughs> yeah, I think it's fine. Okay, fair enough. I like, I like the it's, logo. It's uh, thank you. If the name was was significantly different. Right, the the transition from Geek Gamer Weekly to Geek Gamer Live is not that big, as no. a name. No, the trans. But if it had transitioned to something that was very different, then resetting the numbers would be more. Would seem like a more important or a more likely to need to do thing. Does that make sense? Got it. Got it. I I don't want to just dwell too much on it, but I I just. No, uh, it's okay. We can take up like three quarters of the episode. Just yeah, I know this. we probably could. I mean, if you named it something like the Brown Blue Show, it's yeah, you'd have to start you know, so start over. One uh, one thing I do want to remind everybody about is um, more people tend to download the audio version of this show uh, than video. I just started doing video on the show as an afterthought. I mean, this is really it's one of those shows you could probably pop in your car, and knock it out in your morning commute. You know, it's unfortunate that's the way it is, but yeah, that's the way it is. So, um. If you see anything weird stuff happening on the video, I blame John. Okay. So there we go. Let's let's talk yeah, about it's some, all my fault. Let's talk about some interesting uh, uh, geeky and gaming news I thought was kind of neat over the past week that made some interesting headlines and I thought would be great talking points to talk about. First, let's talk about uh, a great chain of hotels called Marriott. Uh huh. So uh, you know, I think you should. I think you should say large chain of hotels called Marriott. Oh yeah, thank you, thank you, yeah, thank you for that. Because a large, yeah. Yeah, you're right. They, they may not necessarily be great, but there are many of them. Yes, there are there are many. Uh, so according to the FCC, Marriott Hotels had agree has agreed to pay six hundred thousand dollars to settle allegations that the hotel chain was intentionally blocking visitors from using mobile hotspots, uh, so they'd be forced to use the pricey Marriott Wi-Fi services. Now here's the here's the thing. Um, it would cost you anywhere from $250 to $1,000 per device if they wanted access to Wi-Fi. Now, uh, one of the arguments that they had was, well, we instituted these blocking, we, we would block those Wi-Fi hotspots from forming because we wouldn't want our customers you know, connecting to a spot that could potentially have bad things associated with it. You know, they... You know, you would always see them, you know, if, especially if you're at the airport, you know, free Wi-Fi hotspot. You know, they didn't want people, you know, getting hacked or having bad experiences on Wi-Fi. 
Uh, but obviously, what it felt like to me was a hotel trying to get a little smart. And hey, we can make people buy our Wi-Fi services if we block all the other stuff. Uh, now, Joe, I mean, I want to start with you just because you bring your Wi-Fi hotspot when we do our coverage of CES or or PAX or whatever, and you know, it makes it very simple for us to keep in touch. How would this make you feel if you're at a Marriott hotel? This happened. Uh, well, I don't. It, it would be it would be frustrating for sure. Uh, and it is illegal. And mm-hmm. I know, I know how they're doing it, or I know what they're doing because the equipment we have at work actually is capable of doing the own the same thing. And uh, and but we don't have it set up to do that to every wireless AP, wireless network to text. And I think this is mostly at their conference centers is where this was a big deal. Yeah. Because, you know, hotel Wi-Fi, it's expensive. You know, it might be five, six, seven dollars a day. But internet at a, a convention center, you know, especially if you're an exhibitor, can be really expensive. Totally. Yeah. And so that's probably what this was for. And most, con- most conference centers, most convention centers, if you go to them, you'll find that wireless isn't very good inside them anyway. No. Uh, and cell phone signal tends to drop off inside of some of them. Uh, the one in Portland has m- miserable cell phone signal because it's halfway underground. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but it, it really seems to vary. But yeah, no, it's it's definitely illegal. In fact, this, the system that we have that, that allows us to do this, it even pops up when you say isolate or detain a wireless network, which is what they're doing. It actually pops up and says, hey, there could be legal ramifications to doing this. You probably shouldn't. And what would if be, it's what, if it's a device that I know and don't care about and yeah. know you know I'm blocking it on purpose, my answer is usually yeah we're a police department I don't care. Um, I was gonna say but, is there any legitimate reason that you would want to do this? I mean, I so mean, the big the big thing is our system is set up so that if it detects a wireless network come up on the, anywhere in its network and it's an unencrypted wireless network, our APs actually will try to log into it. If it can log into it and it pulls an IP address that matches one of our LAN IP addresses and it can talk to it over both wireless and over LAN, it will detain the wireless AP because now it's an open access point into our network. All right. right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's the legitimate purpose for technology like this. Using it to block somebody else because you don't like them, that's not terribly legitimate. No. Or because you want to make more money, which is really what they were probably doing. Lloyd with the CRTC up in Canada, which is the FCC's equivalent. Do you think uh, they would play friendly to a situation like this? No, definitely not up here in Canada. We we like uh, we, we like open. We don't like people coming in and uh, and jamming. Uh, it's illegal to even like modify your FM transmitters to make it so it doesn't fuzz out when you pass by certain uh, power power signal substation type things in your city. Um, if you did it with Wi-Fi, it would be just if as just as legal, if not more, I'm sure there'd be a lot of complaints uh, levied and fines levied as well. Um, I, I've seen similar devices that block either uh, the data or the voice part of a cell phone um, connection in in a building. You can just run this box that jams all cell. And I, I remember the summer there was like a there's a Chinese company that was fined like thirty five million dollars from the U.S. government for selling these into the U.S. And, and this, well, not as bad because you're not potentially cutting someone off from nine one one access. That's just dirty. Um, if you I have, yeah. if you have a hot, if you have a Wi Fi hotspot and you're presenting in this conference center, um, I, I don't see why the 
the hotel should have any right to block you and, and force you to pay a thousand dollars to have their network techs come and run a, a coax line and, and set up a router and have hardwire, uh, or set up a, a Wi-Fi base station or whatever they're going to do. Uh, cause it's probably gonna be worse than what you're bringing in. Cause most of the stuff in hotels is pretty, pretty bad from, from my experience, yeah. um, any sort of conference setups. So it, I think it's just them trying to, uh, pull the wool over and force people to pay, they're uh, really, really high uh, internet bills. Well, it's 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 frustrating that you know if I was a customer and I'm trying to create a Wi-Fi hotspot and then no one could connect to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would not think that a hotel would be jamming me. I, I you would never even think about it, and I'm just wondering. Um, what? How do they get caught in something like this? I mean, Joe, is is there something very, very easily where you know if a user was setting up a little Wi-Fi hotspot, maybe on their iPhone or Android device, or using a MiFi or something like that, would they be able to easily see if they were having an issue? Uh, probably not on the average consumer device. Uh, it, it's a it's a little bit more complicated than that. The the way generally the way this is these isolations are done is uh, uh, an ap will listen to hear hear another client trying to connect to a foreign ap and when it tries to connect it will over the same channel broadcast to that client saying disconnect you know basically giving it the disconnect command continuously and because the disconnect command of course it can't be encrypted until they've established their session it can keep other clients from joining it so it's a little hard to figure out whether or not that's happening especially with consumer gear more advanced equipment, sure, you'd be able to figure it out. Not too difficult, but you really have to know what you're looking for, and you have to have the right kind of equipment. Your your average cell phone's not going to be able to do it. Uh, there might be third party apps on on Android that can do it, but I I don't think there's going to be anything on iPhone, yeah. and and well, certainly none of the standard consumer um, uh, hotspots, MiFi's or anything like that will tell you. I mean, someone might get suspicious. Say, you know, they're used to they're used to doing their normal setup with you know with a, with their hotspot. And all of a sudden, they come into a zone where the thing keeps dropping them, or they can't connect, and you know all kinds of issues. You know, they get down the street, and all of a sudden, everything's working again. And you know, it, you know, they probably had oh, enough yeah. people. Oh yeah, you you can you can definitely come up with suspicions, but yeah. it's really hard to confirm it unless you go in there with a wireless sniffer or something like that mm-hmm. and actually see this traffic going over the air. Is six hundred thousand dollars in a settlement too low? I think it's too low. I mean. I mean, I've heard of of people, just you know, normal civilians, if you will. Uh, like there's this one guy in Florida. I remember very specifically. He had a cell phone jammer in his vehicle with him uh, because he was getting so upset about people using the phone while they were driving, distracted driving, and so he decided to take it into his own hands. Well, through a lot of the wireless technology, uh, the cell phone companies notice that there's these dead spots moving on I-4 in <laughs> Florida, and uh, they were able to triangulate and actually pull him over, track him down, and they arrested him. They they straight up arrested this guy and also fined him. Now, I don't know what the results are of that case, but when you get to the point where you get police involved and you're interfering with radio signals and you're getting arrested, and then you have a company like Marriott here who they settled— for six hundred thousand, do you think you guys? Do you think that's too low, John? Do you think well, that's or Joe? Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say it's it's important to, to make a different difference here. Is what that guy was doing was broadcasting a really strong signal on probably multiple frequencies. 
what these guys are doing is they're still they're not broadcasting a really strong signal. They're not overloading the airwaves. They're basically just making it so your singular device won't connect to an AP. So cell phones are still working. Other devices are still working. You can still connect to their APs, obviously. They're not broad, just blanketing the spectrum with noise, which is what that guy was doing, right. which is really illegal. Yeah, totally. They were they were selectively disallowing people from connecting to other things, which is a little bit more of a gray area, but still is probably illegal. And in this case, I, I 600 grand for a company that, that sees a revenue in the you know, half a billion dollar a year um, as a net income, according to to their their public filings. Marriott International gets fi- uh, got five hundred seventy one million dollars net profit in twenty twelve. Seems a little low to me, um, but especially this is just one they hotel may decide doing that it. The revenue they get from forcing people onto their own a- wireless is enough that this this won't matter. That they're still going to do this, not necessarily everywhere, but they're certainly not going to stop it outright. At all of their properties. True. True. Lloyd, six hundred thousand. Is that fair? I, I think it's low, but you also have to realize that this to me, from what I've read here, it, it doesn't seem like they're blocking. Like if you're staying in the hotel and you had uh you, you had a cell phone that had a Wi-Fi hotspot and you're sharing it to your laptop, I don't believe they were jamming that. It was mainly in their conference centers, um, just by the fact that it was two fifty to a thousand dollars per device, um, so the the amount of people that would have been impacted by this was probably very very small. Yeah. Uh, but then who knows how much bleed over there was? I know at one point I I work at university and they were running some similar technology. Um, they were uh, getting a lot of people that were setting up unencrypted um, access points, and people were connecting, and there was a lot of spam being sent through that way. So they were basically. Um, just jamming those those particular uh, APs as they would come up. Um, and they stopped doing that recently because they got better equipment that was able to filter some of that stuff out. Um, but I, I've seen it happen before um, in a very specialized and specific um, way. And it's uh, to me, that doesn't bother me. This case, though, it's you're jamming it just because you want people to pay your expensive internet tax in your hotel. And if if this, in fact, was only for people that have rented out your expensive um, big rooms to hold a, a gathering of some sort, they're already spending thousands of dollars to rent your room. Um, trying to get another $250 to $1,000 from them for internet just seems like um, you're, you're, you're putting the knife in and then twisting it a little bit. Yeah, no, it's it's just another big revenue stream that these guys were trying to, mm, they're like thinking, how can we force, mm-hmm. force our business customers or conference customers into uh, using our Wi-Fi. I got an idea. But, you know, the, I think the only reason why they got caught, maybe, was, was just too much money. I, I think if they maybe had a lower, <laughs> a lower per day price or per device price, who knows? Maybe they would never have gotten caught. But uh, all it takes... Or if they had free, free public Wi-Fi. Yeah. And you had a problem connecting to your personal device, and so you connected to the Marriott Wi-Fi, you probably would never think about it. Right. That's true. You know? Very, very true. Well, you know what? Uh, hopefully, even though the fine, in my opinion, is too low, hopefully it sets a message to other hotels to not try this. Or at least, if you're going to try this, uh, you might need to do a better job in not getting caught. Just saying. All right. So, uh, Lloyd, you know, uh, you know, we do uh, shows about video games and reviews and that sort of thing. So this next story... Uh, I love. I really can't wait to hear your opinion about it. Sure. But there's a 
a strange precedent that's starting to uh, really come up to uh, to the surface. And this this kind of precedent uh, involves gamers or YouTube reviewers or however you want to call them. Um, people who are on YouTube have made their presence on YouTube. And those YouTubers taking money um, and advanced release copies of games, like, for example, Middle Earth, Shadow of Modor, uh, where they would get a positive review, if you will. They, they would get, uh, as part of the condition that they would receive, is that YouTuber would say something nice and positive about the game. Even Let's say even if the game sucked really, really bad, um, but just to get them to say positive things. So this way, when that game goes to press and they release that game, they can say, you know, we sent it out everywhere. Everybody loves the game. But here's the kicker. Okay, the kicker is there's no disclosure. There's no disclosure to that fact. Uh, so Lloyd, uh, you've reviewed games, you've reviewed consoles like the Retreon Five. I know you bought that on your own. They didn't send that to you for free and say, "Hey, say some nice things about it." Sure. But uh, when you uh, start seeing, and we've watched other YouTubers, when you now know this, does it make you question? What What does it make you think? Yeah, it, I don't. There, there's a couple different aspects to this story which get me angry. Um, some, some of the things that um, came to light after um, this was kind of brought up um, on the different gaming blogs um, was the fact that um, YouTubers that agreed to this deal for this one they had to say positive things. They had to do at least yep. Yep. Uh, one live stream. They had to do a review. They had to talk about certain aspects. I understand that. I've been part of um, advertising deals before and you always have a call to action. You have certain things, but you have to disclose it. Um, and it doesn't look like every YouTuber was maybe disclosing that. But the the dirty thing with this, like specifically with the, the Shadow of Mordor issue was um, people were uploading their plays to YouTube and they were getting copyright takedowns, except if they were some of the people that were part of the, the chosen group. Oh. That of this advertising um, um, ad buy. So if you agreed to the ad buy, you could release your content. You can get thousands of people clicking over, um, getting the getting the, the clicks, the looks, the likes, the other ad impressions, the, the, the cash money that's going to flow into your pocket. But if you're someone that either saw um, the terms and said, hell no, that's, that's garbage. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be, uh, selling myself out to promote your game just to get an early access copy. Um, and then you started uploading videos that, that when the game was released and you were uploading it and then they were getting copyright takedowns. That's where things get really dirty for me. Um, there's a, there's a lot of things happening. Like YouTubers generally aren't journalists. They're, they're fans that are doing this stuff. So there's a lot of things that you would never see a journalist do um, that you see some people on YouTube do. Yeah. And you can't really be too angry at some of the stuff um, that that goes on. Some of the people that are um, releasing reviews positive for games that are getting review copies. Um, I understand why it's happening. I understand why they're doing it. But I also understand that I never want to see anything that they do because I know that they're just telling me good things about every game because they want to keep getting review copies. Yeah. Um, and, and, that, and that's the part that that really really starts to bug me is you got a lot of people, including myself, we'll, we'll go out on the web and and especially on YouTube and, and just see what other uh, YouTube reviewers think of a game. Mm -hmm. And now it really starts to bring into question, well, are they just saying that 
because that's part of their paid ad agreement that they have for a particular title? Um, or are they really truly being honest in giving me the review? And of course, it's it's up to me in, in, in a way to have to think, all right, well, are they telling me the truth or not? But uh, I mean, Joe, I know you don't maybe browse on the YouTube for video game reviews too much per, per se, but uh, how, how does this make you feel now knowing some of the stuff you're seeing may not be legit? Well, legit meaning that they're not disclosing it, that they're getting paid to say what they need to say. Yeah, because it's, it's hard to, to say that. Because almost all reviews, any anytime you pick up a magazine or read a game review, anticipate that that review was probably paid for in some way, shape, or form, right? Yeah. Is that, you know, there, there's so many stories of, of big, big networks being talked about um, or, or, you know, having biased reviews because the companies have paid the money to do it. You know, IGN's been accused of it. Um, you know, some of the big, uh, I can't even think of some of the magazines because I pretty much don't read magazines anymore uh, who does uh but you know a lot of those magazines have been or big big networks have been paid to give a game a favorable favorable review so i don't know that it's i don't know that it should be surprising i guess the reason why it it would be surprising and disappointing is if you see like us you know sitting sitting around in in you know studios to, of obviously not epic proportions um doing videos like this talking about how amazing some game is that we had early access to you have to wonder why did you get early access to the game versus anyone else you know there's it's sort of a you know if i have access to a game before everyone else i will maybe gauge gain a different opinion on it based on on other things now if i'm paid extra money for that of course it's going to be a, a biased review if that especially if that's part of the agreement well, I think, but it is a little disheartening that that's that's starting to spread down. When it, we already knew it was happening at the top. It, it's just disheartening yeah. to hear it spread down. Mm -hmm. Well, that's that's where we we have to, I guess, kind of rely on the the fact of a disclosure, and maybe that's what we need to be asking for. We need to be asking of the people who are reviewing the content to say, "Hey, are you getting an advanced copy? Uh, did you sign a an agreement uh, or something to that effect?" Well, if a really in-depth review comes out in the uh, in the hours to days after a ga game is released, you know, a game comes out on Tuesday, and this guy has an in-depth review of the game Wednesday afternoon, especially if it's a large game. Um, you know, Shadows of Mortar is only supposed to be about 25 hours, but that's still, if you're sitting there for 24, 25 hours, and then you do immediately do your review, that's, that's impossible because you can't. I you mean, it just doesn't out. work that way. <laughs> There's editing time and stuff like that in, right. in, involved yeah. in that too. So, yeah. if you see that sort of sort of thing happening, especially if you see one or two people doing that a lot, yeah, it should really throw some red flags as to exactly what's happening there. Well, you know, what if they, the guy only somebody only has to get the game a week early and they'd be able to put a review together like that? Well, yeah. well, what if they get a, an early copy an early copy of the game, okay, and it's a negative review? Is that okay then? Or are we just concerned about the positive stuff? Uh, I don't know. I, I, ice hockey player in the in the forums has a good point. If you read a good review, you pick up the game based on the review, and the game is terrible and sucks, and you hate it, just you shouldn't have any faith in that reviewer anymore. 
right? It, it, either either the reviewer is paid for and will only give that a positive review or a really strong review, or their likes and dislikes don't line up with you. And that's, I guess that's the other thing to keep in mind, too, mm-hmm. is anytime you watch a review and somebody says, I love this game or I hate this game, what they like or hate in games may be completely different from what you like or hate in games. Totally. And like, like me, I don't really care all that much for FPS uh, multiplayer anymore. It, it it's it was something I did. I enjoyed it. At this point, it's a little bit, you know, tiresome. Yeah, uh, yeah, totally. But there are a lot of people out there who that's the only thing they buy games for. Yeah, that's it. And uh, and you know, fortunately, there are a number of viewers that follow that mantra, and there are a number of viewers that don't that that think that a single player a single player experience is still worthwhile and something to have. So. It's finding the right reviewer, somebody that that matches up with what your likes and dislikes are, and then you can be relatively confident that their reviews are going to be are going to match what your anticipation is. Yeah, but yeah, if you have a reviewer who says the game is fantastic, and then all of a sudden two weeks later on Rotten Tomatoes it's at you know four percent, that might be something to be suspicious about. I'm just saying. <laughs> See, and 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 that's and that's where um, you know, I think. As an, an aspiring, you know, reviewer myself, you know, doing a, a network of gaming and geek content, and we'll review stuff all the time. I much rather have the ability to just buy it myself, review it, and then just give you guys my honest opinion, as opposed to having a device provided for and then giving an opinion on it anyway. Um, obviously, the main difference there is if you're paying for it or not, and then when you're not paying for it. You know, you don't want to be too mean to the company that gave you that free product because then you may not get another free product if you give them a bad review, right? And and so that's when you have these larger YouTube audiences, I think, that you know try to do Patreons and they try to do other fundraising efforts so they don't have to worry and have to uh, rely on those companies to provide them product for review. And And that's where I think if you guys are going to YouTube and watching reviews and stuff, Ask the questions. Are you getting, is this an advanced copy? Did you pay for this on your own? Uh, you know, try to find the sources if you can, if they're willing to tell you uh, and willing to have them be honest with you, or at least what you think if they're being honest with you or not, I guess. Uh, but but for me, you know, it, it's always about disclosure and, and being open and honest with your community. Because uh, if you're not, uh, they're going to they're gonna know about it real quick and then they'll never trust you again. Uh, there was a great comment from um, ice hockey player in the chat room saying, you know, honestly, if you read a good review and if the game sucks for you, do you ever trust that reviewer or site again? Uh, he also says, uh, also with the advent of Twitch, I never buy games until I see them in some sort of detail, minus big MMOs, probably like some game called Eve or something. <laughs> yeah, just, just there's a, plenty of videos on YouTube for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Game reviews or any review, it's if there's a symbiotic relationship between the person who owns the site and the person who is making the thing that the site is talking about. The the people that make the game, the the publisher or the developer wants you to talk about their game uh, because that generates um, buzz about it, whether it's good buzz or, or bad buzz. You want their game because then you can generate content and get more people to your site. Right. Um, I reviewed lots of games um, in over the years on my um, various shows. Most of them are 
ones that I bought myself. Um, some of them have been provided. I disclose when I have been provided a game and I do a review on it. Um, and I've never let the fact that I've gotten a game from a publisher um, kind, kind of, uh, I don't know, make me overlook some bad parts about a game because I want people to trust what I do. Um, in the past, I've had um, PR reps email me right after my review went up and they're they're super, super angry because I said this wasn't good. It was a five or I didn't like this part. And they're like, you're crazy and you're never getting another thing from us. Uh, and, it's like, and I say, good. I don't want anything else from you if this is how you're going to treat the people that are reviewing your games. Yeah. And then generally speaking, what would happen is someone else from that company, when the next game would come out, I'd get another um, contact from uh, from a, the same PR company or a different PR company um, from the same publisher uh, is either using the same or a different PR company. And and it just goes on like that. Um, it just, I mean, that's the way of things. Um, in in my experience, whenever I'd get a game for review, I'd get it about a week or so early. That gives you enough time to kind of give it a um, a good playthrough um, so that you're not breaking any NDA if you post your reviews early. Um, I haven't done too much of that recently. I'm not really doing too many written um, pieces anymore. Yeah. Uh, doing mostly video stuff. Um, I run DisneyInfinity.tv, which is a website for Disney Infinity. So we got pre-release copies of that, um, which, funny enough, I actually got mine the day after it came out uh, because there was, <laughs> uh, there was a mix-up in the shipping. So I didn't even get a pre-release copy, even though I got a pre-release copy. Um, but I still went out and I said exactly what I thought of the game on all of the video and audio that we've done um, since the game came out. So yeah. there's, there's people that will be... Um, that will be self-serving and they'll say whatever they have to, to get the next big shiny thing from whatever company it is. And I know a lot of people that started podcasts and one of the podcasts uh, talks that they did was how to get free stuff from people. And they weren't around for very long because people saw what they were doing. And if it wasn't the the consumers that saw what they were doing, it was the publishers that said, this guy just wants free stuff. He's going to say good stuff about it. Everybody knows this. We're not going to give him anything else anymore. So yeah. It's 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 the cost of doing business, unfortunately. Um, to me, the the thing that really stuck out about this was all of the um, restrictions where um, the company that was running the ads had 48 hours to review your your video before it could go live. Um, anything that went up that was outside of this deal was being content ID claimed on YouTube to be taken down. That's dirty. Um, I, I would never agree personally to any sort of deals. If I got a, like a, an NDA come in, I don't even sign NDAs. If they're going to send me an NDA, I don't want it. Uh, send me a game and I'll, I'll follow whatever embargo you have, but I don't want to do an NDA. Um, but I've, I've read some really interesting NDAs and it's just like, yeah, no, thank you. I don't, this game, I don't want to put myself up, um, to have to follow this contract to the letter, uh, because it's, it's dirty. Yeah. I've, I've never signed an NDA either for that particular reason. And, uh, the great thing too, is, you know, we've, we've dealt with a lot of indie developers and they don't make us sign NDAs. They just want people to know about their game, good or bad. And they want that feedback, good or bad. Um, as long as you're professional and constructive, whenever you're giving that review and in written or video form, whatever someone does out there. And, and and for me, that, that's why, you know, I, I try to do it as independently as possible. That's one of the things that I've always tried to do in being authentic and what we watch and what we see and what we like. Uh, so this way we're not influenced, uh, in, in any way. Now, that being said, I've had, yes, I've had review units sent to me for free, but there was no strings attached to them. It wasn't like I had to say something nice or anything like that. Uh, we give our, our honest opinions. Uh, a great example is 
I, I've, I've given positive feedback about the rig headset from Plantronics. That was a review unit provided to us. That being said, I one of the negatives, one of the big negatives I've talked about is how the uh, the earmuffs don't really isolate sound very well. And then after a while, the the bottom of the headsets kind of kind of drag on you a little bit. They get a little uncomfortable. But especially like the sound isolation, the 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 way the foam is on on the headphones and stuff. But I'm I'm honest about that. And they they nah, sorry. Uh, they they res- they responded to me and they said, well, hey, great review. Thanks for for giving us feedback. You know, those yep. kind of things, you know, companies, real companies want to hear that. So, and, and those are the types of companies that you're going to want to talk to again. You're going yeah. to want to talk to their engineers. You're going to want to get them on your show. You're going to want to do interviews. You're going to want to do some follow up um, with them because they accepted your criticism. They weren't just looking for the Metacritic rating of 70 plus. So they right. the is at the end of the month. Right. Yeah, totally. Um, and I, I've seen some really dirty stuff happen um, to uh, other friends of mine or other sites that I've been acquainted with, uh, and you, you see some of the some of the dirty emails that come in, and it's just like, wow, okay, I don't want anything to do with that company. I don't want to deal with that game. I don't even want to talk about it on the show. Yeah. And then then you see the other way, like um, on my Touch of Gaming show, um, reviewing iOS games. I'll say something negative about a game, and then I'll get a contact and email from the developer. We start going back and forth, and then we have them on the show in a couple of weeks, and we talk about the game and, and things like that. So I've seen I, I've seen some really positive things happen. Yeah. Um, as well, from from developers that really they they want to get better. They want the game to improve because they know that if if the game's better, it will sell more. It doesn't matter if I say it's good; the game has to be good, or it's not going to sell good. Yeah. I say, you guys out there, if you you know, look at our reviews or if you look at anybody else's reviews on YouTube, especially always a bear in mind where they're getting that copy of the game. If they're picking it up on their own or they're getting it from the company and then straight up ask them, um, and see what they say. You might be surprised at the answers that you might get. Um, so we got a couple of more stories and then we'll talk about some of the games and things that we like over the past whenever weeks. Uh, and, uh, since we got Lloyd here and we know he's a big Nintendo fan, these are a couple of Nintendo related stories uh, let's let's talk about the first one, and that is this awesome adapter that will let you use your GameCube controller with the Wii U, uh, especially for one game mm-hmm. called Super Smash Brothers. Yeah, everybody loves Super Smash Brothers. Everybody loves it, and everybody agrees that this was the best controller ever made for that game. Uh, so much, in fact, that they're making this adapter. But Lloyd, Lloyd, yep. um. Yep. I, I just, I just, uh, I don't know if you saw there on, on the screen, but it's only going to be compatible with one game. It, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, when this was first announced, this was announced at E3 that they're going to be coming out with this adapter, and it was going to work with any any Wii game that uses classic controller support um, and certain Wii U titles. And when that was announced, it's like, hey, that's awesome. Um, I don't play a lot of Wii games anymore, but if I wanted to break out some of my old Wii games, instead of busting out my classic controller, I'd play with this rig using my old GameCube controller. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. And just suddenly their website changed saying that it would only work with Super Smash Brothers. And then you see a bunch of reviews coming from it that in fact it is only going to work with super smash brothers um it, it's it kind of sucks but then uh, the other side of the coin is the only game that most people would use this for is super smash brothers there there's a loyal loyal fan base of gamers that play this competitively it's one of the biggest competitive fighting games out there which just kind of blows my mind um and they use the gamecube controller and when it was announced for the wii u 
you had all these um, all, all these competitive gamers that were like, oh, the Wii U, the Wii U gamepad is terrible. It's going to suck for this game. I don't like it, blah, blah, blah. Nintendo kind of threw them a bone saying, sure, you can use your old your old controller. No problem. No problem. Um, so that makes sense why they did it. But it would be nice that if I'm buying this thing for $100 that I could use it with more than just one game. Wait, wait, I'm sorry. I, I didn't look that up. Wait, yeah. it's 100 bucks. Well, the the kit that comes with the branded controller with the Smash Brothers logo on it and the and the adapter to plug into your Wii U, I think it's like ninety nine dollars. I'd have to check to double check. That's way back when um when it was announced at E three. It was it's uh it's estimated. Retail I missed that. Was ninety nine dollars. Say and they'll promise not to block your Wi Fi hotspot. <laughs> <laughs> it's it won't, but it's uh it it'll it'll uh, stop anybody that's using a wireless uh, WayBird controller from playing oh. Super Smash. Joe, is this just Nintendo taking advantage of a, a specialized audience just to make a little bit more money all for just for one game? I, that's hard bucks. because... Yeah, but... For one game. But this reminds yeah, but it's $100 me bucks that, for the game this and reminds this reminds me of a Steel Battalion story all over again. I don't know why. I just... Uh, re- yeah, but, but the difference is this has a market. Right, there are people who ah. really want this, right? Um, <laughs> and have been playing this exact same—I mean, not exactly same game, but very similar game for fifteen years. I mean, when did the original Super Smash Brothers come out? A long time ago now. Yeah. Um, I got I got the price. So wrong. let me jump in real quick. Oh, so okay. Did, All right. Thank God. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's a hundred and nine dollars <laughs> with Smash Brothers, though it comes oh. with the game. Uh, okay. The, the adapter itself is only twenty dollars. I thought it was only going to ship with the controller. It looks like it's shipping separate from the controller. So the controller's 30, the adapter is 20, or you can get them all together for 100 and change if you buy them all. As okay, a buck. maybe all right, all right. All right, that's So the, so the game is 60 bucks. The yeah. GameCube it just looks ridiculous cuz it's a GameCube controller yeah. uh for your Wii. Yeah. A Wii U, sorry. Uh and the adapter, you can get them all together for 110 bucks. Mm-hmm. which is the same price as buying them separately. Exactly. It's, it's a really, really great Nintendo bundle. Yeah. Uh, well, it's a typical Nintendo bundle. Though. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, you know, I don't know. It's hard because, you know, we've, we've always joked about Nintendo prints money with everything they do. And they really, they really do. Uh, they're just now getting to the point where they can print money with the Wii U. They've been able to do it with the 3DS for quite a while now. And remember, you know, the, you, we're talking about them alienating, uh, Super Smash Brothers players or players on the Wii U. They've already done this on the 3DS. The 3DS came out with a new model for Super Smash Brothers that includes an analog stick, and it's not the game is not compatible with the old analog stick add-on that Sony or Nintendo released a while ago. What? Oh, you Are didn't you know serious? that? Serious? I didn't yeah, know so it wasn't the, compatable the with that add-on. That yeah. the, the second stick isn't compatible with Super Smash oh, Brothers. Oh man. Um, so the only way to have two sticks is to use the new 3DS, which isn't available, I think, in North America yet. And it doesn't. Or if it, it is, it's just to barely. My, to my knowledge, that doesn't even work with Smash Brothers because it, it the no. game hasn't been updated to work with it. Um, that that new uh, model- no the 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 new the new 3DS with the with the joystick I thought did did. Huh. Hmm. I'd have to look into that. Um, like I, that it did from launch. I thought was. Hmm. Interesting. But, um. But yeah, so you can't use the old one. Uh, Nintendo's excuse is the old controller had about a 5% CPU overhead that they couldn't afford in 
Super Smash Brothers and probably won't be able to afford in any future game. So don't expect that add-on to last very long if you made this make of, made the mistake of buying one. Um, the and the new 3DS. You know, I know people who just laid hands on a special edition 3DS, mm-hmm. uh, 3DS XL, and then they announced the uh, the new 3DS, which is faster and better and not special edition. You know. <laughs> Like I have a Zelda one. I don't want to give up my Zelda one for a new 3DS. It's just silly. that's kind of what Nintendo does, though. Like every year, yeah, yeah. it seems they come up with a new model, and sometimes it's an incremental upgrade that just adds um, some some like a different shell. Sometimes, like the DS uh, to the DSi, it includes a camera. Then you get the 3DS comes out. Then a few few years later, you get the the, the 3DS uh, Plus or whatever. Um, it's kind of what Nintendo. So the 3DS does. XL. Yep. Yeah. And the, but the yeah, cell was kind of just the the new model. The 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 guts are the same, but the case is yeah. a little bit different, right? And now there's the uh, new the, mo- the XL was the bigger screens. That's right. This is the uh, the new 3ds is what they're calling it. That right. has the the, the, the new 3ds and 3ds XL, which is uh, same size screens. Uh, no, um, it lost some backwards compatibility with something I can't. Oh, it couldn't play uh, DS games anymore. Uh, adds the joystick. And has a significantly faster processor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's 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 what Nintendo does. They've they had the Game Boy. Then there's the Game Boy Color. Then there's the Game Boy Advance. Then there's uh, that that kind of stayed the same for a long time. Then there's the DS. Then there's the DS the DSi, which had the extra functionality, and there was software that was only compatible with that version. Um, the good part about that was it was only digital software, so there was no people confused going to the store buying something for their DSi while they only had a DS. Now you have the the 3DS and the 3DS XL, which have been out for a while. Now you have the new 3DS, um, which is both the 3DS and the 3DS XL, which have all these added functionality, and there's software that will only be compatible with the new unit. Um, kind of ridiculous but that's that's the nintendo way they they they've never been one to hold off from uh from releasing new models to sell to their loyal fan base and their loyal fan base will buy it to play the the latest and greatest games i guess the question is when are we going to see the next new new (laughs) ds xl just give it three years and there'll be a new new model there'll be the the there'll be the uh the, the tick which is the update with some new form factor and then there's the talk which has new functionality or a new model entirely there'll be the 4ds or the 12ds or uh or the the super ds um, which I, I would love to see something like that just give it a different name already because they had the 3ds and the 2ds which are essentially the same thing with a different number it's just so it's so confusing i can't imagine being a parent that doesn't know gaming and then having their kids ask them for something. And it, it's super confusing. Well, that's why what you do is you create a YouTube video yeah. and explains the whole thing. That's why I do makes... Nintendo Pulse to talk about all this stuff. Shameless plug. No, <laughs> nice. <laughs> One last Nintendo story and then we'll uh, start telling you what we're playing and then we'll get out of here. Uh, in case you guys didn't know, and man, this makes me feel old. Nintendo turned 18 years old over the past week. 18. What? You said Nintendo meant whoa, whoa, whoa. Nintendo 64. 64. Okay. Yeah. That's sorry. Sorry, my bad. Yeah. No, N- Nintendo's, Nintendo's a lot like 115 or something at this yeah. point, I think. So. Yeah, Nintendo 64. Now, uh, as, I, as I say this, uh, I, I'm spying on Lloyd. Lloyd is now making a, de- a debauchery of his, look at these, new inbox. 
N64 games. I love my N64, man. This oh. is such a great system. This is the one cartridge that my Retron 5 won't play. And of really course not. Because I'd love to play some GoldenEye and some some Mario Kart 64 and all my like Quake 2 on the 64 was amazing. Old like WWF games were great. Oh, wow. I love the Nintendo 64. Yeah, I, I loved uh, like WrestleMania 2000, which I, I loved. I loved that game a lot. Uh, I think it was called Blast Corps, one of the launch titles. Yep. Uh, yeah, Blast Corps was a good one. I remember that. Oh, look, it's got a Star, Star Fox 64. Yeah, yeah, with the Rumble Pack. This was like the first Rumble ever was released yeah. with this game. And now Rumble's in every single cartridge or every single controller that you buy. Um, Nintendo does a lot of innovation, um, or they did in the past. Now they've the Wii U hasn't really innovated too, too much, I don't think. I, I remember very, very clearly when, you know, Mario 64 came out and I think it was Game Pro. I think it was Game Pro or IGN. It was the first ever game that was given a perfect 10. It was, <laughs> it was speaking of review scores, but, uh, but no, I mean, it really, really was. I mean, it was just an incredibly awesome game. I remember you guys go ahead and laugh, but I would go into Best Buy. They had a Nintendo 64 console demo unit set up as as yeah as Lloyd shows it off and I would go and literally play on the weekends for hours on end because I couldn't afford a Nintendo 64 <laughs> and I would just you know I'd get in line and I would play and it was so much fun I mean just some incredible titles uh, and just incredible fun um, oh, wow well, there's my, my there's favorite kind of favorite title to this day from that platform and I and I liked it enough I've bought it a couple times now is uh is conquer's bad fur day i don't know who else remembers that one. Oh, nice um that was right at the tail end 2001 it was one of the first games i ever played where the entire thing was fully voiced out every mm -hmm. character was voiced out and it was on an n64 initially and then rare got bought by microsoft and we all know imagine that in five years we'll be saying the same thing about minecraft <sighs> minecraft was so amazing I remember all the really cool stuff and then Minecraft got up my Microsoft, and well, you know what happened after that. You know, uh, man, I I like some of the older games and and still playing them, but I also wonder. That's just because obviously we grew up with them and they were part of our lineage. Mm -hmm. What man? I mean, kids today, they have no idea. I mean, they're they're being born into the Xbox One world and the PlayStation Four world and. And PC world, right? I mean, mm -hmm. there's, I mean, so many great things. They don't know about the trials and tribulations of everything that we had to go through <laughs> and conquer through <laughs> to get to this point. Um, these days, what's that, Lloyd? The kids these days, they don't understand. <laughs> um, the the funny thing, the other funny thing about the N64 is if you are a cartridge collector like I am. This is probably the only console that you're going to be able to collect a full set because there's only like around 300 games um, compared to like the NES and the Super Nintendo that had like over a thousand. Um, so there's I know someone local that has a complete set of every N64 game, not all complete in box. Um, but if you're a collector like I am, that's something that you can even set your sights to. And, and according to yeah, according to Wikipedia, there's 387 official releases. Mm hmm. 84 of those were region locked to Japan, 50 to North America, and four to Europe. Yep. Hmm. Yeah. As, as so, a US as a US gamer, there's 309 titles available yeah. that you that you can hunt out. And then there's the variants and all that stuff. But yeah, it's I mean, it's such a great system. 
um, that unfortunately didn't get a lot of the love. Like, it, did you know that Resident Evil came out on the N64? Not a lot of people know yeah. that. No. Yeah. Resident Evil 2, yeah. one of the best versions of Resident Evil 2 was on the N64. It had so many great games, but it uh, unfortunately died um, oh. for its time because cartridges were just so expensive. Yeah, Mar- Mario Kart was yeah. great. I, I, I mean, there were... And then I remember that rumored CD add-on that never happened. Uh, and I uh, remember when 64 was, DD. Yeah, and then there was it was going to be called the Ultra 64. Like, yeah. if you ever went to an arcade for this game specifically, for Killer that, Instinct. Yep, Killer Killer Instinct. Killer Instinct in the arcades would would have coming this fall on the Ultra 64. Yeah, and, it would do that too for uh, for, what was that uh, Cruising USA. Cruising USA, Cruising and, USA uh, had that ad too. Yeah, it and it, and the Ultra sixty four never came out, but the N sixty four did. Yeah, and it was way different than the arcade units, which was unfortunate because uh, when I bought Killer Instinct, I was like, I'm going to get the arcade perfect version of Killer Instinct, and it was good, but it it wasn't quite arcade perfect. Yeah. Oh man, those are the days. And the good news is now through Retron or even if you want to do your own emulator kind of a system uh, or like uh, you can use a NVIDIA Shield or you can use an Ouya. There oh, are ways uh, I now actually to play classic heard games. Recently, yeah. uh, I heard recently about this. I haven't tried it yet, but there's a, uh, the Dolphin emulator has full um, yeah, I heard about this. Uh, VR uh, support. Oh, so nice. you actually can with like an Oculus or with uh, you know another VR headset, you can actually put that on and play N sixty four games in VR, and apparently it works really really well. Like, um, I, I I I have to run across some screenshots again, but somebody had a, a video of him playing um, Mario sixty four, and you know how you always had those frustrating angles of Mario sixty four, you could never quite get yeah. the right angle perfect. Yeah. Not an issue anymore because you just move your head. Yeah. <laughs> and, and now you can see all the angles and, and it looked really, really cool. I'll have to give it a try. But uh, I say, well, um, you do your Smash Brothers with the. I was thinking about that earlier when you guys had that up on the screen. The For the controller, you know, yeah. Oculus was on the right hand side. And I was just kind of thinking to myself, it'd be funny to be playing that with an Oculus in, in 3D watching the stuff. So let's talk about uh, either games that we're playing or things that we like. We call this our picks of the week. And yes, I actually have one of those lower third things that will pop up there like Mm -hmm. magic. There it is. All right. So I will start uh, because I feel like it. And um, the the game game that I want to talk about this week uh, is uh, one that just recently came out. It is just beautiful it is gorgeous it is a lot of fun to play and i'm semi-addicted just just a little bit addicted and that is a uh, forza horizon 2 uh and this is one uh, i'm talking about specifically uh for the xbox one uh this is an open world driving game it's arcadey uh but it's got loads of different cards uh, cars in it and you could drive anywhere you want on this uh island in france or this part of france i should say as you can see here driving this Toyota Supra through the open fields. And uh, this game is just awesome. It's fun. Um, And by the way, in unrelated news, I just found out uh, that Fanantec, the makers of my racing wheel that I bought for the 360, PlayStation 3, and PC, will be coming out with some sort of adapter that you'll finally be able to use the expensive uh, racing wheels for the Xbox One at least. Uh, yeah, I have a Fanantec uh, uh, Porsche wheel and a chair that I use, so it'd be great to finally use it for 
for the current gen consoles. So that's what I've been addicted to. It's a fun game, and the in the interiors, the shadows, the all of it is just fun. I, I got to show it to you, John. It's it's really really cool. Cool. Uh, I'm, I'm confused because I thought Forza was supposed to be Microsoft's. Um, Gran Turismo answer, which, you know, being a super realistic racer. No, no, no. This is Forza Horizon series, which is their open world series. So if, if you want, you know, their their Gran Turismo kind of a game, Forza 4. Um, but that's that's on that's on one? Yeah, it's also Correct. on one. Yeah, it was a launch title. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because it's it's just confusing them because it used to be Project Gotham was their uh arcadey racing game. Yeah, uh, but now or Metropolis uh, Street Racer. No, I always was? thought of Project Gotham when I when I thought of arcadey Xbox oh, okay. titles. But yeah, I mean because that was the one they advertised as hard as they could. That guy needs some new wiper blades. They're kind of streaking. Yeah, on the but but there. look at it. You you notice though. Look yes. at that detail though. That that kind of detail. This is like that's so cool. Looks like Colin McRae back in the day on yeah. on the PC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like from five years ago. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, nudge, nudge. Does it does it run at a full thirty FPS or are you capped uh, lower than that? Uh, it might be twenty five. I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's it's more cinematic that way. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, you see the water splashing up there on the hood, and uh, it looks it looks cool. I I think it's a it's a very very pretty pretty game, and that is my pick this week. Forza Horizon Two, especially on the Xbox One. Um, and if you got friends on Xbox, you see their shadow cars driving. It's really, really cool. So that's my thing. John. Yes. You're up. Whoa. I'm up. What, what are you, what is your pick, your talk? What do you, what are we, what are we, what are we looking into? So let's pick the, uh, the fate stay. Um, so as a lot of people know, I'm a, I like watching anime on crunchyroll.com. Okay. Um, they just went into their fall season of stuff, and there is um, UFO Table has uh, gone back and remade the whole uh, Fate Stay uh, Night um, Unlimited Blade Works. And so far they've got two episodes out, 43 minutes long, which is pretty long for anime, and it's just it's just gorgeous. Yeah, it, it, it looks is, it looks phenomenal. It this is looks just beautiful, beautiful. Um, and a lot of people have been happy because they said um, there was a studio dean back in how oh, 2006 did a uh, unlimited Blade Works movie, and they said that it was just convoluted. Nobody could figure out what was going on. Um, to where um, it just every, you know everybody's been really happy and look, you know they're doing five out of five. It's just nothing but five stars. Everybody's been rating this. So. Uh, that's been my pick. Um, I said, you know, they only got this was this, this weekend is, was this the second the week. Oh, so the second episode just came out? Yeah, today okay. or uh, yesterday. All right. So, and you can watch this on Crunchyroll, which is on pretty much almost all the consoles now, even yep. the new ones. Um, and looks looks gorgeous. Um, this is just like a two minute preview here on yeah. Crunchyroll. Um, and then obviously this is based on some sort of manga or something like that. Um, no. Well, there was no? the uh, PlayStation Three. Yeah, um, the, there, there was there was a Fate Stay on on, on PlayStation. There was oh. a game. Oh, okay. Um, and different routes you can go to play in the game. Okay. Um, but uh, and then the original and it's kind of a a, a second go around because the original one was Fate Zero, which was also done by uh, UFO Table. Um, that's been real, that everybody really loves. So yeah, when they said UFO UFO Table was the one that did this, everybody just like, Wah. sweet. Well, very cool, yeah. man. 
And uh, like I said, grab that on Crunchyroll and check that out as well. Mm-hmm. And then also, John's been playing Eve forever. Yes, Eve forever. Yeah. All right, uh, Joe. <laughs> uh, we'll we'll let our special guest go last. Uh, Joe, you're up. Uh, I've just been playing. Honestly, just been playing Feed the Beast. Uh, Feed the Beast Starwolf Twenty Pack. Uh, I've been playing it for the last couple of weeks here. I really want to get a, a grounding on it. Um, been really good getting the getting things down and and you know had some of the the basics and the the rope shown to me by uh, both Ubom from our Minecraft community and and Cameron. Uh, Malik also in the Minecraft community is they've both been really instrumental in, in helping me get started on that and I've had a lot of fun with it. I've actually played. Um, Can you explain every real, uh, real almost every day for a couple of hours? At real least. briefly, so. what is Dire Twenty Feed the Beast? So for people who uh, don't so know, feed, feed the Beast is uh, so everybody. I mean, most people should know what Minecraft is. Obviously, yeah. if you're watching this, you probably know what Minecraft is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> feed the Beast is. Uh, is basically, uh, if anybody remembers TechIt, it's the same sort of idea. It's a, a mod system, or, or it uses Forge to design some pre-def- predefined mods or mod packs. And uh, Feed the Beast is just the launcher for that. So you can go to, I forget what the website is, Google search Feed the Beast, and you'll find uh, a free download where you can get the launcher for it and, and um, pick the, the pack that you want. And Direwolf20, Direwolf does a series of YouTube videos on... Uh, different mo- plugins for Forge or for for the Feed the Beast system, and um, yeah, Jay Huggaby points out it's feed the beastcom to get the downloads for for all of the stu- the Feed the Beast stuff. Direwolf Twenty uh, is a pack of twenty different mods that work together really really well and are able to function not quite seamlessly but pretty well, and um, it's just a lot of fun. Uh, you end up. Going, you start out with like regular Minecraft where you build a you know first night survival type hut, and then it gets more complicated. Um, an example of that is uh, right now, even though I'm not in the game, I have an auto builder, an auto auto crafter inside the game that uses all the materials that I've collected to build whatever I tell it to build, and it will build the requisite pre items for that. I just have to program it and tell it how to do it. So. I have it building a uh, high-voltage solar array so that I can place it out in the world somewhere and plug a, actually plug a power armor suit into it and charge up all the pieces of fire armor a lot faster. Uh, it's doing that. It's also, and that's right now. Right now. It's going it. Doing it right now. I'm not even there. It's just doing it. Uh, it's also uh, running a, um, it's also running a, a couple different quarries where it's actually digging out stuff out of the ground and putting it into my inventory automatically. So it auto-harvests diamonds and stuff like that. And all this sounds like cheating, especially if you're used to regular Minecraft. You're like, wow, that's why are you even playing anymore? It's like, because it takes hours and hours and hours to get to this point. And there's still a whole bunch more that I haven't even looked at. Oh, uh, there's apiary, which is uh, which is a bunch of bees where you basically manage bees and you can get the bees to build you things and make you items. Um, there's some other... Uh, I've most, mostly focused on one particular kind of storage and one one power system. There's another two or three that I haven't even looked at yet. Um, there's a lot there, and it just takes a long time to get to that point where you're looking at all this sort sort of stuff and and where you're gathering the initial resources to be able to build whatever you're looking for. So you're saying it has so a pretty it, steep a, learning curve, kind of like some other game. It it does, <laughs> but not quite that John, steep. It's John, a little you don't different. need you don't need spreadsheets to play this game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, believe me. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't so, use spreadsheets in another game. Um, they're in the what? game, John. The spreadsheets are in the game. I've seen okay. them. 
<laughs> anyway, uh, Feed the Beast, uh, the Darrow 20 pack. It's a lot of fun. Um, and we will be setting up a, a server for that for our Minecraft Me Patreons uh, soon, um, probably in the next month or so. And uh, and it's well worth checking out and 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 having a good time with it. And I think Cameron, uh, you or I'm um, sorry, Chase, Cameron, uh, Cameron, and I, and and potentially Ubom or, or anybody else who might be interested, uh, we may be trying to do a, a let's play series at some point too with that because uh, it is a lot of fun. But it does have a pretty steep learning curve, and it takes a while to really get used to everything that's going on. Sweet. All right, Mr. Lloyd, last but certainly not least, and I'm going to push you in a certain direction just because we talked about this game earlier. It was brought up as an example of the pay-for-payola, pay-for-play situation on YouTube. But talk talk to us. Uh, you've been playing a lot of uh, Middle-Earth, Shadow of Modor, right? Yes, I have. Tell, so, us, uh, tell us what you think of it. Sure, I picked it up. It was not provided by some <laughs> corporation. Let's let's start off with that. Okay. Uh, but but yeah, basically, uh, I've been playing uh, a fair bit of Shadow of Mordor, and it's it's kind of an open world RPG, similar to say like uh, an Oblivion. Um, although the RPG is pretty light in this game, it's more. It, it's like if you took a Batman Arkham game and you mixed it with Assassin's Creed. Um, kind of how how the game is there's a lot of open world free running type stuff and then there's also a lot of really uh good combat where you're doing parry and attack and stuff like that so you play as a ranger in uh in in the game and you're you die but you can't die you're you're cursed to forever roam the world and you get haunted by another spirit and it turns out that that spirit is the elf that crafted all of the rings of power in the Lord of the Rings. Um, and so basically you have two parts to your game. You have a um, <clears throat> kind of like a ranger, um, quick, quick attacks, dodges, stuns. And then you have uh, another part of the game, which is kind of shadow uh, attacks, where you can go into kind of the shadow realm and interrogate, interrogate people. Or you can fire uh, shadow arrows or you can stun people. Um, so... If that wasn't cool enough, what they've done with this game is they've built something called the Nemesis system. So what it does is it's, it simulates kind of the hierarchy of the orcs in, uh, in, in, in the game. So there'll be captains in, in the world, and they have a certain pecking order. And if you kill a captain, they're dead. Um, if you injure a captain, they'll disappear for a bit. Um, if someone in the game kills you, uh, they, you don't die. You go to some some ghost world and come back. But meanwhile, for killing the great ranger, this orc then gets promoted and he might uh, assassinate someone that's ahead of him because he's more powerful than him right now. And then other people might get promoted through the ranks that way. Um, if you say injure somebody, say if you take an arrow and you shoot the guy through the eyeball and he gets away, um, he might come after you at some point. He might stalk you down and then he'll make he'll make mention is like, you might have taken my eye, but I'll take your life this time, Ranger. And it's they remember all the stuff that has happened up to this point. Um, so it's this really amazing thing that happens in the game where everything that you do seems to have some sort of consequence. You're killing people. You're scaring people. Um, they recognize what you've done. They know that you've killed this captain or this um, elite captain or you've killed this war chief, which are kind of the the people at the top of the pyramid. Um, it's amazing. So I, I love Assassin's Creed and this is a lot of Assassin's Creed with it. I loved Batman, Arkham Asylum and, and Arkham City and this has a lot of that as well. And then you add this new never been done before system called the Nemesis system and it 
it really shows me kind of what next gen is. Um, and I've, ha I've had this conversation with a lot of people saying, well, is it really next gen? And yeah, it's, it's next gen because this game is out on Xbox One and PS4 and PC. And it's coming out in a few months on the 360 and the PS3, apparently. But the Nemesis system will not be in the game because it can't support it. There's just too much memory, too much stuff it has to keep track mm -hmm. of. And which is just like, wow, this this is the future of what games are going to become. And I, what really excites me is something like a Grand Theft Auto or the next Oblivion taking something like this on where you you assassinate someone and the stories of your actions are told throughout the world. And then when you get further in the game, people know that you push this guy off the cliff. So maybe you're a coward or you stood right up and assassinated him in front of all of his followers. And they be they became your followers, for example. Um, it just makes me super excited for games that are going to be coming up in the future. So totally. Um, I, I love this game, by the way. It's it is great, and you don't have to pay me a lot of money, um, evil advertisers, to say that this game is good. Um, I'm having a heck of a lot of fun. With I, it. I was just gonna say, uh, you should expect my PayPal payment to you shortly. So awesome. thank, thank so, you. Thank so you basically, so much. yeah, the decisions you make kind of dictate the game you play. It, totally, and it, this is what it's all like. People have always said emergent gameplay is gonna come. Emergent gameplay. It's like, well, what is emergent gameplay? Well, the, the game is going to sort of exist in its own thing and stuff you do will affect other things. And they've said that about GTA. And meanwhile, all that happened to GTA is you blow up a building and that building stays blowed up. But your game is the exact same as my game is the exact same mm -hmm. as your buddy's game. In this game, I might meet this one orc and he kills me and then he becomes um, he becomes a captain. And then he kills me again and he becomes an elite captain. And then he kills me again and he becomes a war chief. That won't happen in your game because the the actions that I did in my game are way different than what you did. So yeah. this really cool interaction. All the orcs have their own personalities. Uh, some of them uh, hate hate other orcs because they've they've wronged them. Uh, some of them have weaknesses, and you can actually interrogate people to find out weaknesses. So one of the war chiefs you're after might be susceptible to ranged attack. So you know that hey if this happens, all I have to do is get close enough, pop an arrow through his head, and boom, he's dead. Wow. Uh, but my game is different than your game. Uh, and that's it's a multiverse. Really, totally. It totally. Yeah, it is. It's it's amazing. Um, the game is short ish. It's 20 ish hours, um, which I, to me, I have kids and I I play a lot of games. Uh, 20 hours is great for me. But I know a lot of people want to play the next Oblivion. They want to spend 140 hours in a world. Don't, that has. Don't worry, Lloyd. The, the, all they're doing is they're just waiting and holding out for the DLC that's going to cost <laughs> 20 bucks. <laughs> so There's don't a worry short for shadow of mordor by the way if you want more shadow of mordor of course it has a season pass because yeah every, every game shifts with the season pass these days <laughs> and that is a great topic for another show uh, mm -hmm. to talk about that well, I, I just wanted to ask about that one game because uh, it's based yeah. in in lord of the rings right and it's yep. it's tolkien's whole world so have they measured exactly how fast J.R. tolkien is spinning in his grave over this game <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious. I, I they, they could hook him up to some sort of like uh, generator and he, he could power a small yeah. city. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. I miss doing this. Uh, I wanted to say a big <laughs> thanks to Lloyd. But hey, just as a reminder, you guys, you can check out all the previous stuff, whatever it whenever if it was called Geek Gamer Live or Geek Gamer Weekly or Control F12 or Hoser Chat. You can find that on geekgamer.tv head to shows go down where it says geek gamer weekly right now it will be changing shortly as you see it says geek gamer live there uh but here is where you can check out all of our previous shows and stuff 
You can also subscribe to our feed on iTunes. Um, we have MP3, HD, and SD feeds, as well as on RSS feeds as well. You can also watch us on the YouTube and Roku. Uh, please do that. Um, and if uh, if you like this show and you, you like grabbing it, please uh, let us know. Uh, send us emails, comments, feedback, and more. You can do that at weekly at geekgamer.tv. That's weekly at geekgamer.tv. I really want to start getting more questions from you guys and have you guys drive the show a little bit. Like if you want to hear our opinions about the Xbox One or you want to hear our opinions about a controller or a headset or uh, we had a question earlier today. Hey, I have a hundred bucks. What's a good headset that I should consider getting for voiceover stuff or what kind of mic should I get? Things like that. Uh, feel free to send them in to us weekly at geekgamer.tv. I want to say a big uh, thanks to this guy right here, Mr. Lloyd Hannison, from joining us from all the way in Winnipeg. Thank you, Lloyd. Yes, Lloyd. And uh, what have you been doing at uh, vgpodcast.com? I mean, you already had enough plugs, so we'll give you a few more, but uh, yeah, yeah. what have um, you been yeah. doing? I, I host I, I host all the shows over at vgpodcast.com or most of the shows over at vgpodcast.com. Just a podcasting network. Uh, there's There's been few shows going up uh, recently just because of I work at a university. How and dare you have a real job during the week? No, I'm just kidding. September is rush and it's been absolutely insane getting into October. Things are starting to, uh, to, to go along uh, nicely with that. So there should be a lot of shows popping out there. I also I run the site uh, DisneyInfinity.tv. Um, so if you're if you're a, a gamer with a family uh, with young kids that likes to play Disney Infinity, we put up a lot of content there as well, uh, talking about the uh, the game game um and the games within a game in disney infinity with the toy box and all that other stuff Ooh, disneyinfinity.tv so um check it out and let us know what you think uh, we, we love putting up shows and chase and everybody i just wanted to thank you for uh for having me on the show again i, I love coming on and it's uh it, it's so nice to come here and sort of christen the new format that's uh <laughs> cool yeah I, I like the like the site here i see uh some images and trademarks are property of the disney company yes disney we love you <laughs> Just don't sue us, please. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> and this Disney Infinity is really cool because it's our it's our own custom site. So uh, Disney Infinity Two has a skill tree system now, so every character can level up. We have like skill tree builders. There's places on the site where you can go and trade uh, characters and power discs and things like that. So we're trying to really uh, foster uh, a really great community for other Disney Infinity players. Wow, that's uh, great. So if you have kids and they play the game, uh, definitely check it out. Yeah, I like the the layout of the show uh, with the side menu. Yeah, we we use that for the mobile stuff. And no, very very clean. I like it a lot. Very cool. DisneyInfinity.tv. Yeah, Mister uh, Mister Joseph Falby. He does a show. He does a a Minecraft kind of a show. I've I've heard of it before. Something called Minecraft Me. You? No, me. You. I guess. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Sure. Uh, you can head over to MinecraftMe.com. Uh, which will just bring you to geekgamer.tv. Go yeah. figure that one out, and uh, then you can uh, check out the show. Uh, but, uh, Joe, when you're not doing games and Minecraft stuff, you're uh, also doing quadcopters. So, uh, yeah, always good fun. I happen to have a, a, a super micro one right here. Aw, how cute. John Kessler, <laughs> hey, what are you wearing there? What? You, that you were not wearing that at the beginning of the show. Just about. Are you are you wearing something brought to you by Carl's Jr.? Carl's, yeah, he, brought to you he by was Carl's wearing Jr. that at the beginning. He just didn't have it turned on. Uh, it's turned on and flashy now. Yeah. Uh, is, is, that's the dreadnought, right? Yep, that's the dreadnought. Dreadnought. 
That was such an awesome game. Can't it wait was. to check that out. And that was like, yeah. that was like alpha. That was like, that was, yeah, <laughs> that blows my mind. So pretty. Oh, man. Well, you guys, I really hope uh, you enjoyed uh, the return of this kind of a format of a show. I love doing this kind of a thing. Uh, obviously, it's all about time. Uh, like Lloyd, I also have a full-time gig as well. So anything that you guys use to consider watching and, and, and hanging out with us is always cool with me. So thank you so much for doing so. Uh, this show will not have a set schedule. Uh, this show will happen when it can happen. Um, and when it does, uh, we'll post out updates. If you want to watch the show live at Geek Gamer TV on Twitter, if you subscribe to us either via iTunes or RSS, you'll get the fresh copy delivered to you when it happens. Uh, and the reason why I say that, because we may do a midweek show, midweek show where I pull everybody in via Skype or bring in new people on Skype and talk more game and technology stuff. But it will not always be a Sunday thing. Uh, it'll just happen when it happens, when time allows for it to happen when it happens. Thank you so much for joining us. You guys really do appreciate it. For our special guest, Lloyd Hannison, Joe Falby, John Kessler, my name is Chase Unis. Until we all talk again, we're all silent. Say goodnight, Gracie. Goodnight, Gracie. Chris Hadfield.